It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. And once again, it's a welcome to Tucson Means Business, a show that we highlight special businesses in Tucson. Today is a special day because it's Ladies' Day. We've all got professional women in business, don't we? And we've got some of the best people you can get in business, in business. And we've got some of them at the table today in our panel. Here with Tucson Means Business, coming to you from the studio of Tucson Business Radio X and the Business Radio X Network. And we're broadcasting live from the Stuart Title Studio right here in Tucson, or as some say, in Tucson. <laughs> well, here we go. Alexander... Uh, and uh, Laura Alexander and Jenny Carrillo. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Very uh, special ladies. They run a full-service consulting firm specializing in nonprofit organizational development and fundraising. And the highlights and experience and credentials of these two, boy, I could be here all day, but we're going to uh, bring it down a little bit, but it's pretty high, and we're going to come back and talk about that in a moment. They do wonderful work. And in fact, I think I counted something like 170 clients alone on their website on what I printed off as well. So they know their stuff in this wonderful world of fundraising, but a very difficult and tough world to be in business in. Next, but certainly in the middle of them all, and if I get this right, I've done well, Leila von Senhoff. Hello, thank you. Is that all right? Yes, you said it right. whoop de doo I actually <laughs> got it. I was a little bit worried about it. She's the CEO, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer of DigiView Creations right here in Tucson, uh, XLA, Hollywood, uh, you know, troubleshooter, working with the stars, God knows what else, films and television and everything else. She's got a wonderful story to tell. And you do specialize in personal and corporate advertising and starting your business in Los Angeles back in 2000, I believe, Leila, right? Yep. Developing websites, professional headshots and photography, and doing bios for actors and writers. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to talking with you on the show today. And certainly, last but not least, is a young lady, in fact, a beautiful young lady, by the name of Stephanie. Stephanie. With an F, most unusual. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Compared to the PHs that are around. <laughs> uh, yes. Stephanie uh, is actually a founder, Stephanie Perez. She is the co founder and CEO of Innovation Auto. And currently really has a, a very big job running the whole darn thing and trying to keep a lot of guys in tow as well. <laughs> She's like the office manager and the appraiser and the this and the that of a very interesting. But uh, maybe, you know, uh, a lot of stigma about the industry. And we're going to try and find out about that today as well. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Lovely Thank to you. have you. Thank you. All righty. Now, let's start with um, Laura and Jenny. Uh, Laura and Jenny, well, you bring nearly 30 years of experience working in the nonprofit sector, organizational development, fundraising, management, and leadership. Uh, each partner has earned master's degrees in uh, philanthropy and development, certified fundraising executives, board service, uh, a board source certified governance trainer, CGT. We'll find out a little bit more about these uh, as we go on. They're professionals, you name it, they've earned the darn things, all right? Because there's a lot of stuff they've studied to have to be able to do what they've done. Now, Laura is certified by the Association of Fundraising Professionals as a master trainer and also trained as a mediator. Uh, by the Center for Community Dialogue. What mm -hmm. is that? 
the Center for Community Dialogue is mm. a wonderful program of our family services, and they provide mediation. They also train people in mediation, facilitation, uh, conflict resolution, things wow. like that. Well, wow, mm-hmm. it's an a, incredible organization. It's a big spread, isn't it? I mean, it covers mm-hmm. an enormous amount of uh, mm-hmm. topics in that, mm-hmm. you know. And you two, how did you meet? How did you first start to get together? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Well, well, we met through the Association of Fundraising Professionals, which is our professional association. We have an amazing chapter here in southern Arizona, but it's actually an international organization. Okay. And um, we both were active in our chapter and did lots of projects together. And we both had children at about the same time. And so we both went into consulting um, at similar moments. And then we found that we were often competing for the same work. And we'd come out of interviews (laughs) with clients. And I'd go, oh, hi, Jenny and Tinsel. Hi, Laura. And then we'd talk about them on the phone later and say, oh, do you want that one? No, do you want that one? Um, So then we decided, why are we doing this? Why don't we just get together and... Mm-hmm. Be a team. Yeah, what a good idea. Passing ships in the night, basically. Mm-hmm. In the corridors of power. <laughs> how, did, how did you go? Did you get them? No, but I, I think I've got a good idea. How do? <laughs> That's exactly, yeah, exactly what it was like. <laughs> uh, okay, so members of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, AFP, the Alliance of Arizona Nonprofits, Board, Source, and Planned Giving Roundtable. Mm-hmm. All right, accredited by the Better Business Bureau. PGRT. Uh, tell me, Jenny. Sure. Plan Giving Roundtable is another national and perhaps even international organization that uh, focuses in on a very specific type of nonprofit fundraising, mm-hmm. which is uh, legacy giving, helping people think beyond giving cash assets, but perhaps giving from their estate um, or other investments. Okay. And so it's a little bit more technical. And so PGRT brings together um, the uh, for-profit professionals, estate planning attorneys, accountants, uh, insurance uh, folks, together with nonprofit fundraisers. And we learn from each other about how to do a better job of helping our clients realize their philanthropic legacy. Okay. And today, things are changing. What are some of the trends that that you guys are seeing, perhaps, uh, in the nonprofit sector? Well... There's a couple of different things I would mention. Um, first of all, there, as I think people know, there have been some pretty serious changes to the tax law in our country, which has caused people to not be able to um, itemize their charitable contributions mm. um, to the same extent that we used to be able to. And so traditionally, every year, Giving USA puts out a study of the giving across the country and how much is coming from individuals, foundations, corporations, et cetera. This is the first year in my memory, and I've been following this for a long time, that individual giving dropped below 70% of total giving nationwide. So it that tax law change really did affect our nonprofit sector and, and caused individual giving to, to drop for the first time in a very long time. So that's a trend that we're seeing that's pretty hurtful to our nonprofits. Wow, it's like hitting mm-hmm. a brick wall when you're used to so. I mean, yeah. it's so competitive, isn't it, your industry as it is. Everybody's vying for a dollar from somebody. Uh, you know, okay, yeah. I've got A, B, C, D, E, F, and I love all the causes. Who am mm-hmm. I going to give it to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, There's difficult. a lot of noise out there, right? There's a, so much email and right. um, websites and ice bucket challenge and whatever else. And so you do have to kind of find your own voice and your way of making your 
organization really compelling for people. Stand out, okay. Mm. Layla, you had to stand out in Hollywood. You had to find a way to break through the darn noise, that's for sure. Yes, that's very sure. You know, uh, personal, a- corporate advertising, uh, you did all websites, professional headshots, photography, all of that, uh, but doing myos for actors and writers. How did you start in this business? Well, I was a SAG actor, so um, the thing is, is I was always in the circulation of everything that we were doing, so... Uh, going on set and said, I need a bio, I need this, I need my resume done. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. And it just became its own business. And it's, mm. and then I had publicists come to me and then, you know, writers, I need to have or do a live reading and uh, can you demo and put this all together? I just had the lucky talent of learning how to edit early in my life. Right. You know, I was doing... <laughs> In my younger days, were you good here, at school doing that? I mean, oh well, no, actually, I uh, <laughs> I did B-rated martial arts film here in Tucson for years. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> right. It was the start of the independent world, and that's what I'm trying to bring back to with sponsors and stuff like that. And um, basically, um, the sponsors are what we are always looking for ourselves. Because as an advertiser, I always, when I was younger, I always found it. Where where did the money come from? Mm-hmm. What made it turn? How does that work? And while you're looking at me, let me figure out your job. So I basically did that. I figured out every person's job. And I did it. Because believe it or not, living in here in Arizona, there's not a lot of work for us ladies here. And we have to dig and scrub and present a lot more than Mm -hmm. anyone else does. Well, I mean, you know, uh, what you did started. It grew into a background in entertainment. You worked on... uh, Numerous television productions, feature films, yes, uh, doing background stunt and stand-in. Yes, one of my great ones I did here that I love so much is Posse with Mario Van Peebles. You know, I oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I started out on the floor in the on doing painting the set, and they come along and they said, "Do you have a bunch of girls that look like you and strong like you?" And I'm like, uh. <laughs> "So I got all my girlfriends that I was going to school with at the time." And I said, hey, you want to go do a movie? And they're like, oh. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> we got paid nicely. But then they noticed that I had a little bit more skill than the others. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't afraid to get on a. Uh, a horse? Uh, no, a, a 30-foot swing. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Dangling in front of everybody and still fall off of that swing. Collide into somebody that didn't really get hit mm-hmm. because you had to tuck and roll and roll up alongside of them because it's a camera shot mm-hmm. not an actual falling into someone so i learned really quickly my acrobatic skills were going to be needed in the near future so i just kept on going from one project to another incredible just kept on going that's exactly. it well it led to the development of personal pr packaging for acting agencies uh, publicity firms and development of private individuals that were starting in the fields of entertainment yeah. So you would have made some good contacts, too, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I, I worked for a Wilhelmina Ford agency when I first got I've out. heard of that name, right? Yes, and uh, I had a publicist named Monique Moss. Okay. And she got me a lot of my work really quickly. She's like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I can do this. Yeah. And then she gave me one of my be- best jobs. I, I swear, I, every time I think about it, I cry. But it wasn't really anything but everything to me but to shoot Rodney Dangerfield's house as he's presenting his wife with a heart-shaped tub and saying, I love you, for her birthday. And it was the most sweetest, great thing, but it was a huge party. 
it went on for four hours and all i did was uh like a two-second clip on e-entertainment so i was like there you go. You got to get your brain somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. So, hey, thousands yeah. will give their right arm for that, you know. Exactly. I mean, how many thousands line up for movies in the, you know, just as what they call them extras, right? Yes. Way back, I, I was in an extra in um, in uh, the Christmas play in Melbourne at the Olympic swimming pool. Uh, just thousands following uh, Jesus with the cross. You know what I mean? Down the streets. And That's uh, awesome. wow, talk about wait hours for that one little darn thing. <laughs> They didn't pay much in those days. Stephanie Perez, you don't go waltzing down and hanging off swings and God knows what else. But <laughs> Not quite. You're still in a male-dominated industry, aren't yes, you? Yes. Um, you know, you began your career much like your father. is a self-made uh, professional, utilizing her practical experience with him as also another self-made professional, holding your passion for growing a business yourself. This is something you really wanted to do. And she's progressed from being a foodie working in the local Tucson service industry through to quickly developing a passion in hospitality, right? Correct. Now, this is interesting, though. You and your hubby began developing a, a busy model for a bakery. Correct. All right. That and, was and our initial plan, um, you know, just to kind of, you know, dip our toes into what it would be like to have our own to business. have our own yes. business you'd never um, been your own business before then no well i had you know kind of tampered with a few things and i've always been really good at developing processes um but i just never i think there was always a fear in me you know just being so young and then just constantly having um you know doubt placed in me because of my background you know i was born in in mexico and my primarily my first language was Spanish. And mm. so I had a lot of insecurities, I think. And so I didn't realize that in the corporate world, there's actually a lot of um, support groups and people willing to help you and mentors and, you know, nonprofit organizations that also help organizations. Mm. Um, so I think that, um, you know, that was just the stepping stone into like something much greater. Mm -hmm. well, well, you know, I, I admire that. I mean, uh, you hear of a lot of stories of people coming from other countries, but see, I feel inferior to you. You can speak two languages. <laughs> you can speak Spanish yes. and English. Yes. I can. Well, I can speak two. I can speak Australian and American <laughs> and a little bit of Spanish. I'm learning, por favor. Yes. You know? <laughs> as long as you know the essentials, you're good to go. And another good one is, uh, gracias, señor. <laughs> oh, gracias. I beg your pardon. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Now, you, hubby, spare time, you began helping him develop a... What sort of model do you do for a bakery, heaven's sake? Tell me, what, what's, what's so hard you about know, a bakery? You know, it was actually really difficult because you know you don't think about I mean I would watch Cake Boss you know sometimes and think to myself oh you know we can do that and you don't think about all the, the technical um, aspects that go into um, not just baking and providing a, a service for weddings or birthday parties or whatever it might be but the actual uh, process of ordering and inventory and keeping a timeline and just all of the things associated with actually running a business. Because mm. um, it's not just about talent when you have, when you have your business. It's mm -hmm. anybody can um, say, hey, I want to have a business because I'm good at whatever it mm -hmm. might be. Mm -hmm. But it's actually learning to develop those um, skills, the skills to run a successful need. business. right? And so I think that um, you know, through the help of my husband's crazy organizational skills um we were able to form a good team um and and just kind of um 
we did get a lot of customers and a lot of uh, orders and, and, you know, but I was working full time and he's a, a professional, he's a respiratory therapist full time. And so finding the time in between to, to build our, our business, right. especially mm-hmm. in Tucson, being such a foodie town, very competitive when it comes to, um, you know, baked goods or uh, right. any good food. Um, so we kind of just, uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to say gave up on the idea, but we put a pin on it. Well, that's good because yeah. I mean, you you had tried your hand at several uh, failed small businesses, mm-hmm. uh, only to finally realize what other entrepreneurs do find that a third time is a charm. Correct. Right. Yes. So your grit, your work ethic, and strong sense of community combined. I got to ask you though. I mean, what does follow is how did you work with your old man? A lot of people can't do that. <laughs> I think I've always looked up to my father. I've. Um, I'm talking about your husband. Yes. Uh, oh, my old man. I thought we were talking about my father. No, 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 no. That. It's, a, it's an Australian saying. I'm sorry. Oh, I should okay. let you know that. Um, well, in, in when you say that to a Hispanic, it seems. Yeah, I thought you were it means the father. father. Okay. Yeah, no, good. All right. So, now I know that one. But I look both. I look up to both. You know, I think that. Um, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) I deliberately wanted to lose you there. Yes, well, we got it. Don't worry about it. You, um, trusted relationships has been big for you. Utilizing those trusted relationships, you somehow converted all of that into the auto market trade, right? Yes. This is what you're doing now. Yes. You never lost your sense of community. Never. So I think that one of the main things that attracted me to the auto body industry is that um, there's a lot of flaws in it, and mainly because things have not changed in the last 50 years. Things are being done exactly the, the way that they were before. And so, um, as I mentioned to the ladies uh, prior to starting the show, um, with technology and you know vehicles just becoming more um, advanced, it's, it's an industry that needs to start changing. Um, insurance companies need to start educating their their customers because now you can buy insurance at the palm of your hand and you don't even know what you paid for until you find yourself in need of using your insurance. Is this and, a problem at the moment in the game? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think it, there's this stigma that, you know, help me, my insurance is going to rip me off. That's like mm. you file your claim mm. and then you're scared that your insurance isn't going to take care of you. So, mm-hmm. um, And that's not necessarily true. I think it just starts from, you know, educating um, the mm-hmm. consumer of what they're purchasing. What are you giving up when you has it always spend $40 been like this, less on has your it always, Has it always been like this in your game? Or, uh, or is it more in recent years, do you think? That's- I think it's always kind of, I think people talk. They just have a bad experience. And right. so I think that my hospitality um, experience, just always like being aware of like what my customer needs, anticipate, anticipate, you know, help them out. Um, there was that aspect missing in the collision industry, you know, where you're just kind of a number. You know, you kind of just get funneled into, hey, go here, have your car fixed, leave it there for 10 days. You don't know what happened. Bada bing, bada boom, pick it up. <laughs> and that's it, right? You're like, oh, color looks good. And you walk away. Right. And you just assume and trust that everything was done properly. And, and you know, okay. So are you trying to tell us there's a lot of uh, naughty stuff that goes on in the game? Um, I, I would say that there is, unfortunately, some naughty stuff that's being done in the game. Yes. But um, I think that um, insurance companies, OEM manufacturers, they're all doing their due diligence to really correct what's going on in 
the auto collision shops. And it's just really, you know, with technology now, you can read reviews, do your research, and just make sure that you're going to a place that stands by their repair, that offers you a warranty, that um, allows you to be a part of it as well. You know, you're free to ask questions and and know what's going on with your car. But don't the insurance companies give you two or three to go around to anyway? They do. Aren't they, aren't they recommended by them? To they do? recommend it in a sense. The insurance can't tell you where to go. That's your decision. And mm-hmm. I think that's a misconception is I have to go where my insurance is telling me to go. Right. But sometimes there's a three-week three week waiting list. And if you have kids, you know, and, and all these things that you need to take care of, right. you can't be waiting 10 days to have your car fixed. So mm-hmm. um, do your research. You can choose a shop that you would, um, you know, like your vehicle repaired at. Um, and you just simply let your insurance know, hey, I chose this place. This is where I want to go. Go look at my vehicle there. And you get your initial assessment. And then the rest of the shop gets um, gets involved and takes care of the rest. We're talking to Stephanie Perez, who runs Innovation Auto Collision. It's a vehicle repair shop here in Tucson that's equipped with the latest tools to ensure the repair is completed to OEM specifications. So that's the manufacturer. So basically what a body shop is doing is they're mimicking what happened in the factory, right? So when you oh, get okay. into a collision, you want to make sure that there's a certified technician um, working on the vehicle that understands the process, right? You you can't just cut, you can't bumper just bumper. cut sheet metal off wherever <laughs> you want to. No, there's there's a structural integrity that needs to be maintained. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah. So auto body parts, mm-hmm. repair or replacement. Uh, question on that: Is there a big dollar extra on either repair or just replace? It depends. So from an insurance perspective, it's um, the shop kind of has to do both things. We have to, um, you know, see the repair cost versus the replacement cost, which one is less. I don't want to say cheaper because that sounds bad, but which one is more um, safer and which one is more economical. So you kind of do the math um, and you, you make the best decision that you can. Wow, 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 wow. So you'll run off your feet. Is it that busy every day? I would say it's more, yeah, it's different every day. I mean, I, I get big collisions. I have families that come in the shop and they're frantic and they don't know um, left from right. And then I have, you know, uh, parts coming in and we have to label everything and not miss anything, sensors and wire harness and don't even get me started on, on yeah. the parts department. Um, but is, it, is it unusual to have a female do this job? Oh, absolutely. I think that that was one of my challenges in the beginning was simply uh, delegating to men that are, um, you know, much more experienced um, in the industry than I am. Um, I never pretend that I know more than I than I do. And I'm not the one fixing the vehicle. I just simply understand the process, more of a quality control person. Um, And so then getting them to understand that I'm not taking over. I just need you to know that. I know if you make a mistake, mm. you know. <laughs> Jenny, Carrillo yes. or Carrillo? Carrillo. Carrillo, I was right. Okay, so if I said to you one piece of advice to a nonprofit organization or the leader, the elected executive director of that nonprofit organization, what would it be? And you're welcome to chime in on this mm. too, Laura, if you want to. Sometimes we even disagree. Yes. And then it's really You fun. do? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Funny about that. Our partners disagree. Our clients love it. Our clients love it when we, when we get, have to wrestle yeah. with an issue together because it's not always so 
clear cut and black and white. Um, I was thinking about this question earlier today, and I, I think one of the, the best advice I could give either a nonprofit leader or a volunteer board leader um, is to take the time to develop a trusting relationship uh, between the board chair and the nonprofit executive director. Mm-hmm. Um, those two jobs are very different. They, they each have their own leadership responsibility, but they're not the same job. And right, so the, right. an ED needs to know how to use their, their board chair well, and a board chair needs to respect and understand the professional management role right. of the nonprofit executive. Um, so I think it's about partnership. It's about the, the volunteer board leader and the, and the paid professional building a strong partnership. You guys, 170-odd and more every day coming to you. You, you are the specialists in Tucson at what you do. Uh, you must see some incredible stories. Oh, boy. And do you ever say to anybody, for God's sake, go away, forget it, what you're trying to do? <laughs> yes, we yes, do. Yes, we you do. do. All right. Yes, we what do. What do you base all that on? <laughs> what would you base that on if you had to do that? Well, we have what we call the... Um, the crazy factor. Right. Sometimes we meet people and we say, oh, this seems very dysfunctional. Um, I think, this, honestly, though, the thing that um, is most important to us, it, or maybe just to me, is that, mm-hmm. the, um, that the organization be relevant. You know, that their mission really is critically important in our community, that they're really doing something that has a charitable value I mean, that's why our government and our society has decided that nonprofits get a tax deduction and and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. ultimate integrity is Mm -hmm. making sure that the organization is actually really valuable. And if I believe in the mission and I know that we really need it in our community, I'm willing to um, to help just about anybody. (laughs) Right. But if it sounds like. A bit airy fairy, maybe, or, yeah, or just or, not a good cause, yeah, or just maybe something that doesn't quite sound we, like it has. Okay. We get a number value. of people who show up on our doorstep and they want to start a nonprofit organization. They think that's like the ultimate. We had this conversation before you got here yeah. today. Everybody wants to start a nonprofit organization. Why? 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 They Why? want to be their own boss. They, they, well, they, start a business. Why does it need to be a nonprofit? Amen. That's right. That's exactly what we tell them. Well, yeah. I yeah. would have thought the answer would have been because in their heart they want to do good. For some reason. Yes, but they also think they want to control exactly how that good is done. I'll give you a really quick example. I had sure. a, a woman, um, a, a doctor, a naturopath who has a professional practice, and she wanted to start a nonprofit foundation so that she could provide naturopathic medical services to people who couldn't afford them. And I said, well, you own the business, just don't charge them. And that was kind of revolutionary. <laughs> she, wow. Like, like, oh, I could do that. I don't have to have a nonprofit organization. I don't have to establish a board of directors. Well, I that's don't pretty have simple when you think about an it. IRS yeah. tax, you know, <laughs> just don't charge them. There you go. Um, the next car job, you don't charge. All right, yeah. there, Stephanie. We have done that before. Yeah. I bet you have. Yeah. A little bit of a yeah. martyr. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that, is, well that is interesting. Yes, come yeah, on, Laura. Similarly, I was going to say, I, I once had a, a conversation with a, a man who was running a a farm, a community-supported agriculture-type project, and he was doing it as a for-profit entity, and he came to me and said, I, I want to make it a nonprofit." and I said, why do you want to do that? And he said, well, I, I want to be able to um, apply for grants and um, get grants for some of my projects, and I said, do you realize that once the minute your entity becomes a nonprofit, you don't own it anymore? It's owned by the community, 
and you have to have a board and they could fire you, right? And it's not yours. There goes your business out the door. Right. And he said, oh, I don't (laughs) want to do that, right? So I think sometimes we just have to rearrange our thoughts around why why are we choosing this model um, for... A nonprofit model doesn't fit every... Every business. No, right. no. Well, I mean, look at you now. This week has been a big week in Tucson with the inaugural event, the first ever of the uh, uh, Arizona Film Expo. Yes, and you were there. Uh, yes, I was fortunate to meet a, a, an old, uh, not an old lady. I'm, I'm trying to say. Oh, my gosh. No. no. I hope you're not going to say Barbara. <laughs> no. oh. <laughs> Do you remember the um, Dream of Jeannie? Yes. Uh, the TV series. Was there, she here? She yes. was here. The lovely lady. Absolutely. Great interviews. Are you calling lady. the genie old? No, I was thinking no, of an old television series. That's what oh I was trying to say. Oh, my gosh. She oh was perfect. Yeah. She's a legend. Yes, She's I She's a legend. She I did a lot of other stuff before that. A yeah. lot of other stuff. Yeah. But she was wonderful. The point I'm trying to make is, is that Layla's <laughs> in a business where you can't be not-for-profit, except, yeah, they work their guts out and they don't get paid. That's about the only not-for-profit. You have now just been appointed to the SAG slash AFTRA. Yes, SAG Afterboard. Okay, yes. which stands for what? Uh, Screen Actors Guild, and I'm going to say the after wrong, so I'm not going to even try because I always end up right. spilling it. Screen <laughs> Actors Guild Board. You're the representative now for the Southern Arizona region. Yes, Okay, we need this, do we? Oh, yes. Uh, it's kind of like I'm an officer of the law of of drama. Ooh. Ah. We don't want to get on your wrong side dun, dun, then, do we? Uh, yeah. Uh, so so you're, working with, uh, you're working to really get more union production going, not right? Not just union. I, I, I play with... Uh, is that a dirty word, though, in the game? Yes, or what? it is. Why? Because it's, they think of because, buildings. No, because they think, it's union. I can't get on. I can't be a part of it. And that's not true. Why? I mean, because, if you were part of the union, well, not, wouldn't I have more chance well, of getting on? It's not just because we're a right-to-work state. And with SAG, we have many wonderful contracts now that we never had before. We have these uh, zero-budget union films, but it's all about paperwork. Right. You know, and it's like, and where is this going? And where's your distributors? And what is the back end for this? So it's a huge process. And I'm trying to teach the youth how to do it correctly. And don't be scammed by all these con artists that I hear all the time. I I have... I get reports on a daily okay. of, of misconduct of all sorts of things. And because we're not um, a union state, it makes it hard for me to do. Well, give me an idea. Just give, just give us a bit of an idea around the table. Okay. You know, just, just some short ideas about these horror stories that you hear. And because we're not a union state, they go on. Exactly. Like if you got hurt on a set, mm-hmm. like one of my uh, actors that I, I also am an acting coach, but one of my actors got hurt on a set. It was a non-union set and she got attacked and mauled by a dog. They Ooh. did not have insurance. They did not cover their butt. And they ended up having to pay out of pocket, out of cost right. to make sure she was taken care of because she ran to me. And uh, I said, well, if they don't do this, 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 and this, then you file this, and then I will come in and do this, this, and this. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. So it's like we all have to do paperwork and follow it's, it's the law. It's a good law. thing. I think yeah. it's a good thing. And good it's thing. just follow up. Like, you have to file 
police report in any and every incident that we have. So you're so, the representative for a SAG member if they're yes. they're running yeah, into Yeah, for the whole of, of Southern Arizona. That's incredible. Exactly. Instead of just New York and Los Angeles now, right here in Tucson, because you see what's happening, Jenny, is there's a mass movement on to bring back the film industry mm-hmm. here into Tucson. The political we, movement shut it out 10 years ago right. and uh, canceled our Arizona Film Commission, which I was a part of when I was young, when I was 16. Mm. I actually got a, to be a part of that. And I thought that was, I'm, I am somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I find out I'm just a little fish in a big <laughs> pond. But I knew if I continued to do what I do and fight, more people would be educated and not ripped off. Because I have several people right now coming to me, for instance, that they go to these producers and directors that think that they're going to get a product. Right. And then they get hustled out of tens and thousands of dollars. And I said, first and foremost, what happens when you get hustled out of your money? That's called, one, fraud. Two, and, you know, mm-hmm. you, your, your product has been stolen from you. So you do have to file a police report. Then you get to go to the next step. With what SAG does for us, once you file that police report and you're on a set, they say, hey, we can come in here with our lawyers and help you out. We're going to back you because this is wrong and this should be taken care of, you know, to the best specs you need to be taken care of. Taking care of your, your cost of living while you were down, while uh, your medical cost, everything. And it's really hard because there are a lot of con artists, like you say, out there. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. we live on the, well, it's the such Wild an industry West. Too. It's an industry that would be easy for you to be conned. Yes, because you know every, I mean? it's on an everyday basis. We're living so, on the cloud up yes, there as well. Mm. My goal is to start the conservatory that's Arizona Wildcraft. Right. And that's a nonprofit <laughs> organization because I have to because it's part of a union that we we have to abide these certain laws and guidelines. So that's up and going now? Yes, we, we just got approval to start this because I had... Uh, started to do this uh, because my representative said, uh, this is how you get this started. And I'm like, okay, I'll do this. Mm, so, so it's called Arizona Wildcraft. Yes. Hmm. Entertainment, better known as oh, Awake. Oh. As the sleeper away. has awakened. And that's what this town is. It's a sleeper town that, you know. Could go boom, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that the Wild Wild West is still here. But guess what? We also have a city, too. And multiple other things in many different climates yes. in such a short distance. Mount Lemon, Sedona, you know, the Casa Grands. We have all these different wild, great places. But our tourism doesn't really know to dive into those things. Hmm. And I'm trying to change that, too. Well, you got a big job on your hands, yes, Layla, on Senahoff. She was <laughs> doing all sorts of things for the film industry here. A quick question on the independent oh, film yes, here in Arizona. Where's that connected to what you're doing? Well, uh, Independent Film Arizona is a nonprofit organization that we hold at the Jewish Community Center once a month on a Tuesday. And we get together and we talk about and kibitz of everything in the business that needs to be the way it needs to be. Writers, producers, directors, actors, everybody hmm. grips. And everybody gets on this wonderful uh conversational level on a professional level mm-hmm. and we talk do you think because it's a non-profit uh, that encourages that to happen uh i don't think it's this is just a profit business well it's it is a profit business but the meeting it's kind of like book club more or less All because right. you All go right. and you talk and you kibitz with this person and you mm-hmm. kind of like cool. it's kind of like social hour but the thing that i created in the last year was the 
IFA media directory. I want to be able to tie Arizona together, everybody from Phoenix to Tucson to Casa Grande to Nogales, all on one directory. Okay. So when Matthew Earl Jones comes to me and says, I need to hire somebody of this caliber, well, just go to our directory and all their specs is out there to the perfect Today's market is media, and if you don't have the right social media and right packaging, right, right branding, mm -hmm. then you don't go anywhere in this business because you just keep on going around and around in circles. Well, there we go. Touching on not-for-profits. It's Tucson means business, and believe me, it does mean business in lots of different ways, as you're hearing today. And it's proudly brought to you by the 49ers Golf and Country Club and its wonderful hidden gem of the desert, the Rincon Grill. Get to go there sometime. Macca McKenzie, uh, Mackenzie Taylor is her name. She's the executive chef, and she's also the, uh, well, she's the chief cook and model washer too, I tell you, but a lot of great staff there. But she is a wonderful, wonderful person, and she loves to be able to serve you, meet you, and say hello and so on. So if you do get there, make a point of asking. I want to ask you this, Laura. What factors do you think have been the key to your success you and Young Jenny's success as business consultants. I thank you for calling me Young Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say two things. One, that we completely and utterly trust each other. I know a lot of people who go into business together don't, don't have that, and that's the downfall of the business, but we've always been very open and honest with each other about everything even personal things because mm -hmm. our lives are intertwined mm -hmm. um and the second thing is i think both of us just have an incredibly high level of integrity mm -hmm. and so we want to do the very 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 best for our clients um we want to have a good reputation and we do well, and it, it, obviously our, it's come through because yeah. uh, look how successful you are. Uh, Jenny or Laura can answer this one. What do you think it is that uh, what's the motivation behind people to want to give charitable gifts? Mm. I think it's um, philanthropy is just a manifestation of your values. It's the things that you care about, the things that you want to see better or more of or improved in our community. And um, nonprofits are often the vehicle for that. So whether it's, you know, curing some kind of cancer or rescuing cats and dogs or, you know, building a new symphony hall. It, it's a way for people to, to exercise what's important to them. And uh, that's, I think, what we enjoy the most about our work as fundraisers specifically is when we get to bring together people who um, have means but who also care deeply about some issue or cause or service or program in our community, uh, and we're able to help them realize that through okay. their, their charitable giving. All right. Well, yeah, it's not easy, is it? Um, or, or, or fundraising? Is it, fundraising is not easy, I would think, because of the choices. But do you have loyal fundraisers that that's, that's all they would ever give their money to, is this particular cause? They believe in that so much. Oh, I, th I mean, I think it's, it varies from organization to organization and donor to donor. I think there are people who give a little bit of money to lots of different things. And I think there are donors who are very clear about what matters to them. And right, they invest, right. um, mm -hmm. you know, singly in an issue or even an organization. And um, we just facilitate the conversation. I believe very strongly that 
we have every single dollar and every single donor that we need in our community to do every single thing that all of our nonprofits want to do. If we could only motivate the people to make their gifts and the organizations to do their fundraising <laughs> well, well um, I think it it's would, about trust. It, yeah. yeah, it's about And relationships, trust. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. What makes you different from any other of the organizations out there because that's what we've been dealing with for mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks uh, with uh, the Arizona Film Expo is mm-hmm. multiple different pitches from different consultants. Ah. What makes you guys different? Great question. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. Great I'm, interview. I'm, I'm, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to step down. I mean, we no, like to please say, don't. <laughs> we like to say we bring both um, the academic theoretical knowledge along with professional practice. So, you know, we we are really committed to professional development. Um, we pursued very specific master's degrees in philanthropy and development. Um, but we've also been in the trenches doing the work. Yep. So I think that's one unique factor. We're also of our community. I think there's this myth that if you need a consultant, they have to come in from out of town. Yeah, it always, right? yeah I, I get that all the time, too. And you yeah. know what the funny thing is? We're all mothers here. And we understand the getting up, taking care of someone else, and then still putting on that business suit and starting the day. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes us great women. And that's mm-hmm. the empowerment that yeah. your show is allowing us to I'm give. I'm trying to do that, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, It's called I, the I, Woman Empowerment Show I wish, we had, I, wish we had, <laughs> I wish we had four hours to do this because I've got some fabulous questions here I'd love to I think to Layla's have. ready to be your co-host. Um, yeah, well, maybe. It'd be, be nice to do this on television as well, actually. Uh, exactly, and that's why I'm here. Here's, let me ask you this. This thing, girls, if I may, to run a successful campaign or an endowment campaign, mm-hmm. um, briefly, I want to ask you some questions pertaining to what you do, right? Okay. How would you go about that? Or how would you say to me as a potential client, how would you say, look, this is how we're going to do it? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, if it's okay with you, yeah, we, when someone asks us about doing a, a major endowment or capital campaign, we always tell them that we we look at five different factors that are key to the success of that type of campaign, and we want to see whether or not the organization has these five factors. Okay. So the first is, um, do they have a pool of donors that they've already been cultivating, talking to, soliciting over the years for annual support? Do they have volunteers who are willing and capable to go out and talk to folks about giving? Do they have uh, the infrastructure in their organization to manage that type of campaign? If you're going to do an endowment campaign, do you know how you're going to invest those endowment dollars? Can you really guarantee your donors that you're going to do what you said you were going to do with that money? That type, Can you send out thank yous in a prompt and meaningful way? That type of thing. Um, the fourth factor is do they have a good case for support? And by case for support, we mean uh, why should anyone support this project and give to this endowment campaign or capital campaign. And um, what's the fifth? Oh, reputation. reputation. The fifth thing is reputation. <laughs> so do they have a strong enough reputation in the community that people believe that they will succeed and do what they say they're going to so do? So basically, as far as you're concerned, they're the five pillars. Those are the five. And we oh, test yeah. them. We, right. You build yeah. on that, you've got a pretty good strong yeah. house, right? We yeah. do an assessment and go out and, and talk to their donors and talk to their staff and look inside the organization to advise them on what they need to do to strengthen those mm-hmm. pillars mm-hmm. or um, how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, you do a lot of advising, Layla, in your industry, film mm-hmm. production here in Arizona. The rise and development of women in film 
pay scales. And, I mean, let's touch on that. How bad is it for women in the industry? Uh, we get 25 cents, sometimes a dollar, even two, less than the men do per hour that we do our work, and sometimes even less. Um, everything that we do on the set, we go from uh, makeup to our wardrobe to all these different little necessities that bump us up. Uh, 15 cents here, 20 cents here, another... See, cause, the little lights up, doesn't it? Yes, and it does, because I used to do a lot of creature feature stuff, and I really love creature feature stuff because you get to sit in a chair for four hours, and by the end of the day, you're at a $2,000 paycheck, and all you did was eight hours work, and four of it was sleeping while somebody was putting <laughs> makeup on you. So that was more fun because when they said, hey, you have a pretty face, but let's give you a line. I'm like, no, <laughs> don't give me a line. My, my paycheck just went down in half. But no, it's it's real and and it's depressing because um, I deal with major celebrities, uh, stars that you know you would never think that a director would jip them for a few pennies of the dollar just to say because you're a man I'm a woman. Oh, that's ridiculous. And she did more stunt than he did, but she's still getting paid less. Excuse me, <laughs> uh, where's the the fairness in this? And I'm trying to find the equality of you know, all the way across the board. If he can do the work and she can do the work just as easily and same, they should get paid the same. And see, with Arizona, they really don't want to pay us. It's, it's they want to get around the bush and say, oh, you can do it for free. You can do everything for free. But we are mothers and we have to put the food on the table just like anybody exactly. else. Exactly. That's interesting. I didn't think that went on in that industry. You know, you learn something every day. What about job development for women oh, in the industry? Oh, goodness. That's the thing is I'm trying to educate, especially with SAG. Um, I was given an opportunity to bring some of the best talent uh, from L.A. and bring them down here on SAG's billing and say, hey, teach these people how to do it correctly. They want to learn from you because you've done it for 20, 30 years and you're a famous star like Barbara Eden. And don't forget Gary Clark. Mm -hmm. He gave me, oh gosh, he gave me eight hours of interviewing mm -hmm. and because my SAG interviewers didn't show up on time. Unbelievable. So By the way, just, just for our <laughs> listeners' point of view, Gary Clark, because I bounced it off a few people oh, a bit oh, younger oh, oh, and would have been born. <laughs> How is it but that do you I remember, know? <laughs> remember the Virginian of the Western yeah. TV series? Yeah. Well, he well. was the third horse going off to the right he in was, that one. Hey, he was the young kid in that. That's why he's still alive. <laughs> and you know what? He was not just in that. He was in several oh, other movies. Oh, he was in movies, many, many, many. But he was in Tombstone with me oh. and Young Riders. Yeah. So I love Tombstone. Exactly. That was so, a great movie. Hey, we were all one something at once, and we all made our little stepping stones to get where we're at. Now and listen, I'm just glad he came back to us. What about younger people listening now to this show? Do you have any specific advice to give them about wanting to go into this industry? Oh, my gosh. We are finding on a daily new members that are younger. I'm like babies. And I'm like, oh, excuse me. We have babies that are SAG members. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's kind of cool. And animals that are SAG members. I'm like, this is cool. I'm finding out information on a daily that I never knew before but it happens and this is how it is it's just about getting paid more because we're a group and when we get together uh, as a group we're like a force of nature and when we come at you like Matthew Earl Jones he's the most impressive man I I, I, I see coming down here to help us out 
Mm-hmm. You know? Now, to explain who, that's not Earl Jones, the actor. That's a cousin, isn't it? No, that's his brother. That's his brother, is yes. it? Now, Matthew he's Earl Jones. He's the younger version. He's the skinny pencil version. He's and I based love him. in uh, Phoenix. <laughs> yes. And but what is his designation? What does he do? He's basically, he's he's gone through several different positions. At first, he came here to help us as our film commissioner, you know, and to get things started. But then he realized to uh, fight with Ducey and the rest of the political engagement. In Phoenix, they're like, no, no. And so he's like no. a film commissioner. Yes. And but now he stepped down because he realized I have more power not being controlled by the government agenda. Mm-hmm. So he stepped down and said, I have better things to do, like make this expo happen. Mm-hmm. Make these wonderful people come here. Get. Uh, and this is the biggest thing. Get uh, Disney and Warner Brothers and Paramount to come back to this table mm-hmm. and say, hey, we want to film here again. We want to bring billions of dollars instead of, here. Instead of going over to New Mexico. See, that's the thing. They went over there. A mm-hmm. lot of my um, associates in L.A. say that they need to uh, bring this over here because New Mexico is not as equipped as they thought they were. Right. And they don't have the sceneries that we have at, mm. at such a... Mm-hmm. short distance of space so they're going oh let's go jump over there but then they don't have incentive packages here we have a permit plan mm-hmm. you go sign mm-hmm. in with the arizona saver plan uh, for the arizona film commission and they will give you uh, a free permit and that's that's hundreds and thousands of dollars for a permit to film here but they'll give it to you for free just to sign up for the film commission and you can go and shoot on our federal lands Mm. That's a good incentive, mm. but they don't want to give us tax breaks. Yeah, so the investors know? need to be to back movies. You know, yes. there was a movie called, um, uh, well, you know, Mick Dundee, Crocodile Dundee. Oh, my favorite movie. Okay, yes. now when I interviewed Paul, I, I didn't realize this in the very beginning that he did share with me, and then, then everybody got to know it publicly. Everybody in Australia, from little old ladies to God knows what, could put in a dollar. A dollar to five dollars, whatever you want to. And that's what I'm teaching. And that's what we did to make Croc Dundee, which is still seen on cable. Exactly. One of my favorites. Still to this day, 20 years later. I still love watching it. It was a crowdfunded film? Yeah, basically, yes. Exactly. Before crowdfunding ever existed. Who knew? Exactly. So there we go. I want you to think, uh, please, Laura Alexander and uh, uh, Jenny... And, I went, and you too, Leila. I'm going to ask you a question to wrap up in a moment. When you look back at your career, was there a specific time uh, that you made a decision that if you had to do it all over again, right, you might have just uh, gone differently? You might have oh. taken another road. I want you to think about that question. Now, I want to do a hypothetical with you, please, Stephanie, if I okay. can. All righty. Here we go. I was in a car accident. I filed a claim. Now what? Do I get estimates? Well, a big misconception is that, um, again, there's that stigma that your insurance company is going to rip you off. Um, And I think I get a lot of customers that are, you know, they take a day off and they go get five estimates and the estimates (laughs) are all over the place. Right. Um, And, you know, that's not necessary. Ultimately, if your insurance is being held responsible for the repair cost, um, stick to their initial estimate. It's your ticket to the door of the shop of your choice. Okay. So, so that's the easiest I can choose way. my repair facility. Correct. Now, let me quote you this. I have a full coverage. And what do you mean? My insurance won't pay for original parts, upgrades, glass, rental? Are they ripping me off or what? Well, I think, first of all, it shouldn't be called full coverage um, because a lot of people, oh, yeah, it's covered. I have coverage. And so, you know, and it, a lot of times it doesn't include glass. It doesn't include rental. 
um, if you put fancy rims on your car, it may not cover that either. And right. so understanding um, what insurance, um, you know, what insurance you purchased, what your policy limits are, um, what add-ons um, are, are, you know, necessary or not necessary based off of, um, you know, what, what your vehicle has um, is really important. So, you know, sometimes when you purchase something online and you saved 40 bucks, like I said, you have to really think about what you're giving up. When you decided not to pay those, so $40. is this is this truly a case of you pay for what you get? Um, in some cases, yes. Um, there's some people that don't need all the extra, and that's okay. But Fair as enough, long then. as you make that educated decision, well, then well it's let me fine. ask you this: then is cheap insurance good insurance? Again, that's just based on the um, case by case, right? So if you have a car that's a 1998, you just drive to and from work, and it's only worth two grand. Just, you know, liability and maybe just have some bodily injury, you know, for yourself in case, you know, you get some injuries or need, you know, attention medically. So last but not least, why do I have to pay if it wasn't my fault? I think a lot of people get ahead of themselves and call their insurance um, when the other person is actually liable. And so subrogation is when you call your insurance and they take care of everything, but it was really the other person's fault. And then the insurance tries to recover the money. That's really more for their benefit, not so much yours. So it takes a really long time to get reimbursed your deductible and all of that. So it's always better if if you know the person um, is at fault um, and it's not necessary to call the police, um, call the insurance right then and there. That's my best advice if you get into a car accident. Call the insurance right then and there and have them give a statement. It Mm -hmm. was my fault. Um, Because I would say that's the number one delay. Call their insurance? Call their insurance. If you know it was their fault and they're accepting it, have them give a statement right then and there. More important than, like, again, if you don't need a police report, um, just call their insurance and file the claim right then and there. That's my best advice. Right from the horse's mouth. Yes. And she's far from a horse, trust me. But the reality is InnovativeAutoCollision.com <laughs> is the, uh, <laughs> that's, the uh, that's the name of the website, right? Yes, InnovationAutoCollision.com. And speak with her yourself. She's a lovely lady and she's very, very sharp. Stephanie Perez, okay? I want, you to th- I want you to think, but not over here. You've got to think about uh, your choice and decisions, all right? Because okay. I like to finish on that. Because people learn from things like that. We've all had that opportunity in life to perhaps... Well, firstly, let's get out of the way. Laura, uh, Alexander, and Jennifer Creo. the best way for people to contact you is what? Our website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of You'd our say contact. that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Do-good-better.com. You know, because mm-hmm. you've got some people, you know, I have an interview, they've got a page full between the LinkedIn's and the, mm-hmm. and the this, the that, that, that. People can't write all this down anyway. Yeah, right. There's nothing better than going to a good website straight mm-hmm. off the bat. You get everything else there you need to do, right? Yep. It's got our emails and okay. our phone numbers right there on the site. Yeah. No, it's a great site. Thank great you. site. I spent a lot you. of time on it uh, uh, rehearsing because you didn't send me the darn form back that I wanted quick enough. <laughs> oh, so I had to get it from it. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we were out busy. Oh, You're busy doing good. They're fun. <laughs> That's See, right. business women in Tucson, they, I mean, they've got a sense of humor as well. You know what I That's mean? That's right. All righty. You're not getting away with it. What would you have done in a career when you go back a little? Perhaps you might have done differently. Okay. I hope this isn't cheating on the question, but it really is my true answer. Most of the, almost every single major mistake that I've ever made was selecting a project or sticking with a project when my gut told me that I should not do that. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't listen to my own intuition about it and I did it anyway and it turned out to be vastly worse than I even thought it was going to be. <laughs> so that's my advice and also my worst mistake is just not listening to myself. All right. So the message is really trust yourself mm-hmm. and yep. listen, listen to that. Uh, yep. Listen if you to have a niggling feeling that says mm-hmm. to you, don't do this. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. So, and you don't want to tell us why. Well. Quickly. I, I don't know that I can because it's, it's all, you know, confidential information oh, about various oh, different oh. clients. We can't you know? do that. No, but, we can't do yeah. that. Oh, don't do that. Yeah. Layla, Digivoo, Digivoo, you, uh, YouTube. No, what about DigivooCreations.com? Well, with Digiview Creations, I've been an actor and entertainer my entire life. So uh, the only thing that's ever taken me from what I've loved and my passion is my my own body. My body has betrayed me in several years, so I have endometriosis. So it's like been a up and down scale for uh, getting on top of the mountain and then getting rolling back down on the bottom of the mountain, being sick and then starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my whole entire mm-hmm. life is going back and forth of getting back up on that horse, mm-hmm. doing it again, and not letting one position pigeonholed me because mm-hmm. everybody always said no you do one thing and do one thing right and i said well <laughs> guess what i could do a thousand things and i could do a thousand things and master them there you go so um basically somebody will ask me if uh, to be a manager so i said uh no this is not what i do but i know how to make you be your own manager that's the best thing that i can give anybody's advice that's is learning wonderful. how to be your own boss and to be strong in what you believe because no manager can get you the job better than you can. All right. So that's your belief and that you're sticking to it. I am. When you first brought up that, I thought he was a Greek gardener or something or other you had. Endometriosis, is it? What's, what is it? Yes, it's uh, basically a, it's a woman's disease, and we uh, get it. Uh, it's kind of like it's cancer of the uterus, and we continuously have it over and over again. But many women beat this, don't they? Yes, because they there's modern medicine has given us amazing steps. My mother looks like Frankenstein because she was cut up from different, you know, experimental ah, procedures. Right. But now we have little pencil drop surgeries that get you back up and going the next day. Isn't that and wonderful? <laughs> That's good. So I, you're I don't amazing, Leila. You're amazing for what you do and the strength that you have now and you get up on your horse and what you've been through. And I keep on going. Years, and know? I'm going to keep on going. Just like a darn ever-ready battery. Baby. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I am but solar, better look I'm than solar power, baby. I'll tell you I got now, solar you know? pads on my back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stephanie, like Stephanie Perez. Yes. Stephanie Perez, my, my young auto lady. All right. What decision? Well, let's go back in your career. Way back. What would you have done differently? I think that um, just letting that, that doubt, you know, of being young, being a woman, um, especially when I went to uh, real estate. I think, and being 18 years old and inexperienced, um, nobody took me serious. And I think that I carried that with me for a long time. And so it prevented me from really like opening up. Mm -hmm. And so what I would suggest to anybody is just really search out, you know, the nonprofits and or the organizations or support groups or Mm -hmm. other people that are just passionate about what you're doing and kind of just reset, you know, don't don't get lost in that mental space of of self-doubt. So are you saying because you were 18 and just a sweet young thing, no one took you seriously? Oh, absolutely, yes. And, and you took that to heart? I did. 
I did. And I think a lot of that had to do just with inexperience. And you became very introverted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, I would, look, you no, know, actually, I wouldn't say that I've, I'm not an introvert. Anybody not, that would hear well, this. Well, you're not now. In, no, but anybody that would hear this interview would be like, you've never been shy. <laughs> um, it's more of, I think, uh, an introvert, introvert in the sense of, of business, absolutely. Okay. I think that it kind of was just like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. And so okay. um, I think that would be my best advice just to, you know, um, just carry that energy from people that, that know better and more than you and just kind of learn and grow from them. Good on you. You're, you're a, a very capable and smart young lady. Thank You've you. done a fabulous job. Thank you, you know that. Jenny, in closing with you, my dear, looking back. Um, I agree with, dare you with share? all of the things that the other women have shared about trusting yourself and believing yourself. And I think mine kind of follows that same theme. I think if I could have done something differently, I would have um, recognized my uh, value from a financial perspective sooner. Mm. And I think a combination of working in the nonprofit industry, being younger when we started our businesses, being female, um, I think we were afraid to charge as much as we should have charged or could have charged. Right. Yeah. And I feel like mm-hmm. we're finally coming into our own of recognizing our worth and value. And, exactly. and it took, I mean, it took a male colleague once asking uh, who wanted to include us in a project what our day rate was. And when we told him what our day rate was, he says, well, you can't charge that much. That's what I charge. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I hear all across the thing I hear across the board, and that's what I'm dealing with now, is finding people that you trust that mm-hmm. can be a part of your team. Yeah. Because when you have a great team, you can make amazing things happen. Right. Yeah. I think that's why our business partnership has been so important to us is because especially maybe the first five years, we spent more time cheerleading each other yeah. than, mm-hmm. e- you mm-hmm. know, business. It's competing against each other instead of collaborating and using yourself yeah. as mm-hmm. mirrors with a great idea. Because I do that every day with yeah. my we clients. We all need strong women yes. to reinforce and remind and us. And remind us what's good and bad about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay? My word. Mm-hmm. My word. Strong words of wisdom closing our show for today. What a fascinating show with Alexander, Laura Alexander and Jenny Carrillo. Uh, they are consulting a full-service consulting firm here specializing in non-profit organizational development and fundraising right here in Tucson, Arizona, the USA, no matter where you may be. Get online and look them up. They're the best you're going to find. Layla, wow, Layla Vong Senehoff. <laughs> All sorts of wonderful things, doing great things for our community here in the film industry in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so and, much for uh, having me. It's been absolutely fabulous. And uh, Stephanie Perez, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Uh, good luck with your career, whatever you may choose to do. Thank you. In I the interim, it. run that company well and show those <laughs> blokes what to do. Yes. Yeah, and they're jealous of you and of your youth. And they youth. sure are. So indeed. don't be ever discouraged by your youth, man. <laughs> thank you. And, that means a lot. <laughs> and thank you to the other uh, half of the wonderful partnership of Alexander Carrillo, Jenny Carrillo. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for having all of us It's been today. a pleasure on great. Tucson Means Business. Coming to you from Tucson Business Radio X, right here in Tucson, Arizona, proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club and their hidden jewel of Tucson, That lovely restaurant, the Rincon Grill. We'll see you again. Goodbye now.